March 17th, 2023. We're in Masechet and Daf Yod Aleph Amud Bet, seven lines from the bottom. It's just four words before the end of the line at that word, Matnitin Delo. Um, just very briefly, what we talked about yesterday at great length was this uh, three and uh, an additional one case uh, in which uh, the Hachamim, the words of the Gemara, words of Ula, and in turn Rechava B'Shem Rabbi Yehuda, were hetiru sofam mishum tehilatam. There are circumstances where, because the Hachamim, because our leaders of each generation were interested that we be involved in X, Y, or Z in each of these cases, be it Avodah Mikdash or Simhat Yom Tov, the final act, which means to say once the uh, act that they wanted us involved in was done, was also permitted. And uh, the examples that we had, for example, in the Avodash Mikdash, it was replacing, placing again the bandage onto the person's uh, hand, uh, which could have caused a hatzitzah, a separation during the time of Avodah. On Yom Tov, well, it's been several Mishnayot in which we've understood, the most recent one, in which uh, putting back on the tirisin, back the uh, window or a door area of that uh, kiosk uh, at the conclusion of opening it and giving whatever was necessary for the holiday. At the uh, beginning of that sukya, I gave you an example, a practical example with regards to how this does or does not apply today, and that was with regards to doctors going to hospitals or dealing with situations on Shabbat. In those sorts of situations, it's really this sugya, this issue, which lies at the core, at the foundation of the conversation amongst the poskim about the return. On the way there, there's no question, they're on their way to deal with pikuach nefesh, to save a life, to preserve a life, and so forth. What about the return route? So Rav Moshe Feinstein and his Igrot Moshe and Chalik Dal Dora Hayim has a tissue by which he invokes this principle. It's a little bit more intricate, a little bit more detailed than just the sugya. He includes a sugya and masechet eluvin, a few other considerations, but he permits as a result for ambulances and for doctors to return from the hospital based on this general concept of we're interested in doctors and people who are medical professionals preserving the lives of others and if they're going to go on Shabbat and realize that they get stuck at the hospital without an ability to return home to their family and, uh, and, and, and meals and synagogue and everything, they're not going to go. Many of the post scheme, including Hakam Ovadia Yosef and his Hazon Ovadia and Shabbat Gimal, are not so certain about the full applicability of Rav Moshe Feinstein's Kula leniency in this context. Because if you recall, our Gemara was really talking about, in all four of those cases, the final act being only rabbinically prohibited. It was only asumid rabbanan. Each one of these circumstances is not permitting an isur prohibition from the Torah. It's not that the rabbis willed that we do X and so therefore they allowed for us to negate a prohibition from the Torah. It's that it's their own prohibition. It's an isumid rabbanan in each of these circumstances and they kind of waive it in order so that you engage in this activity. Or would that apply in the combustion of an engine and so forth where we are are dealing with an Isur Minhat Torah, so Rav Shlomo Zalman Arbach and his Minhat Shemamon, Hacham Ovadiah Yosef as well, among many other post scheme, are a little bit more narrow in their application of this Pesach in the context that we just discussed. And so therefore, for example, to ask that a non-Jew drive you back, well, that would be an Isur Midrabbanan of Amira Nochri. For that, they're very willing and understanding in terms of applying Hetiru Sofa Mishum Tehilatam. 
Is it possible to drive the ambulance back? Well, not so simple. However, to the best of my understanding, that's what I said at the time, and uh, Rabbi Orbach, as a matter of fact, writes as a student and so forth, if the, if the vehicle needs to be back, if it's necessary to have the vehicle in order to save other lives, well, that's a whole other grounds for permitting. In other words, you're permitting returning with the vehicle, with the ambulance, so that other lives can be saved. If it's stuck at the uh, hospital, You've ruined all the uh, safety situations that you kind of want to put in place. That's a major angle for this as well, which means that if it's at the end of the holiday, at the end of Shabbat, for argument's sake, there's less permissibility. It's not to say that they haven't found ways in circumstance situations where they can find leniencies, but there's less room for leniency. Again, just to explain what we're trying to, what we are discussing is whether to apply this concept of hetiru sofa mishum tahilatam, even in what we're talking about being an isumin haTorah of getting into the car and driving it back from the hospital on Shabbat. Okay, that being the case, we're here in the Gemara, as I mentioned, seven lines from the bottom, just a few words before the end of the line, finishing this sugyat. Says the Gemara, Matnitin, our Mishnah, if you recall, our Mishnah recorded a machloket between Bet and Bet Bet Shammai forbade both the removal and, of course, the replacement of the tirisin, of that cover, to the hanuyot on Yom Tov. That's prohibited. According to Bet it was permitted not only to remove it, but to replace it as well. Says the Gemara Matnitin, our Mishnah, Delo Kihaitana. It does not accord with the following Beraita. Meaning, and we'll find this oftentimes in the Gemara, the Mishnah has one opinion and the Beraita has a different approach. Sometimes we try to square the two and to say, no, they are the same. Other times we realize there's just conflicting views about reality. So it's going to have a different presentation of Bishimon's claim was that both Bechamai and Betilel, but the Hidush is that even Bechamai is permitting Shimisalikinatrisin Tob. according to this version, according to the Bishimon Ben Elazar, you're allowed to even according to Bechamai remove that teris, that covering, that window, that door opening to the kiosk, to the to the chest on Yom Tov. Even Beit Shammai would permit that. The mahlok, it is specifically and only whether you're allowed to replace it. The mahlok, it is, Beit Hilel permit even the return. Beit Shammai prohibit the replacement of that titties. Of course, that's not our Mishnah. Our Mishnah, black on white, stated that Beit Shammai Words in our Mishnah and Misalikina Tatrisim Biyom Tov. There's no permissibility for Bet Shemai. Continues this Beraita, however, and this will be our conclusion of discussing this in the Gemara. Bamed Varim Amurim. When is it so that there's a Mahloke between Bet Shemai and Bet Hilel? Uh, under any circumstance. In other words, uh, this Beraita continues and says, we haven't really defined the case. We've talked about a Tiris. On several occasions, we as a group, uh, both, on, uh, both earlier on Daf Tet and on Daf Yod, and then again on Daf Yod Alf, we've wondered out loud, so what is the reality? What type of door is this? What type of window? Does it have hinges? Is it kind of stuck in? Is it removable easily? lahem sir, aval en lahem sir divre hakol mutar. 
it's a, a prohibition, it's a violation. According to Beit Shammai, it's prohibited to return it or even to put it on, rather, according to our Mishnah, specifically and only when there's a seer. The word seer means a hinge. We'll understand in a moment in the Gemara, the hinge that we're referring to is not the hinges that we generally speaking on have on our doors. It's hinges which are like pegs of sort. That's the way Rashi, that's the way the Gemara seems clear uh, to, to uh, explain this, and I think historically this is the tie, they didn't have hinges of our sort. They had uh, something like a peg which would go into the top and a peg into, what are we calling it? Dowels. Dowels. Dowels, all right. It doesn't make sense. Go ahead. It doesn't make any logic. If you're going to take out your spices and you're going to be out on display for sale, you can't go walk away and leave your spices out. Okay. You got to come back. Listen, ultimately speaking, the way we have it presented in our Mishnah is Bet Shammai said, don't take it off and don't put it back on. You're saying in this Beraita that Bet Shammai permit taking it off but not replacing it, who's going to do it? Uh, maybe only if you have a, you know, you've prepared before the holiday a small amount, you know your customers who generally come, something along those lines. You're right. Ultimate, but it's the point. But that... Uh, but again, Alan, that's the point. According to Beit Hillel, that's why we permit replacing it. Otherwise, you lost all your merchandise. No question. And Beit Hillel, uh, well aware of your, cl- of your fear, uh, nobody's going to do this. Our whole purpose is in helping people to, to get these items. Uh, nobody's going to do it if they have to leave it open. Well, it makes more sense. The original, that's right. That's right. Mishnah. Yeah, another, that's right. His, Alan's question is the Bechamai of this Beraita, and the best we have for this Bechamai in our Beraita, and in my mind, is it's a small amount. Uh, it's, the, it's the only circumstance where you'd be doing it. Are you doing it for yourself? Or are you doing it for the customer? It's for the customer. That seems so clear. That's what the Gemara said. Not in your body. You can't do it for your own simchat yom tov. Why would it not What's that? I suppose so. You are making money, but the permissibility is. There's an isur of binyan and stira bekelim. That's what the Gemara is assuming. The hachamim were only permitting when it's going to affect many people. In terms of spices, what's that? That's a Bishimon ben El Azar. You have to say it's his tradition of sorts. Bishimon ben El Azar is a different tradition with regards to what Bechamai and Betilel dispute. Now, the next words over here in the Beraita are not per se negating our Mishnah. These next words in the Beraita, in uh, defining the, the case, in other words, not that Bechamai and Betilel, what they disagree about, but what's the case, what's the definition of this door, of this Tiris, this probably applies to our Mishnah as well. It's just a definition of sorts. So, and you're aware it's only going to be one individual? Maybe. It's Hanuyot, though. I mean, yeah, I guess if you're a merchant and it's going to be for one person, it would be permitted. But I think the general assumption is more than one. They open it, let's say they had a few hours where they have it open. That's what seems clear. What's that? The Gemaran Kaftet that deals a little bit more with that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, ultimately speaking, we don't want everyone doing this. Right. We're aware that not everyone's going to have their spices ready, so we're taking that into account. <laughs> Very possible. If you open the store for someone, yeah. Sure. 
sure. But again, the permissibility was because it's your store as opposed to babayit. That's what the Gemara, your personal use. It says the Gemara, Bamed varim amurim When is it that Bet Shammai disputes Bet Hilel when there are the, what are we calling it, dowels? Dowels. Aval en lahen sir. What do we got? Pivots, okay. Aval en lahen sir divreha kol mutar. The suggestion over here is that according to Bet Shammai, if it doesn't have that sir, doesn't have the pivot, the dowel, then everyone, even Bet Shammai, permit. Why? Because that's not binyan and stira at all. Everything. Everything. It's not binyan and stira. So it wasn't, it wasn't a problem at all, according to this version. The Hatanya says the Gemara, but we have a Beraita, which seems to contradict this. When is it so that Bet Shammai and Bet Hillel dispute? It's specifically and only when it doesn't have the pivots and dowels. But if it does, even Bet Hillel would maintain Asur. So the Gemara then has a, a contradiction from one extreme to the other extreme. According to one Beraita, if it doesn't have those pivots, so then even Bet Shammai permit. According to the other Beraita, that's when they dispute. According to the first Beraita, if it does have the hinges, um, that's the Mahlokit. According to the second Beraita, even Bet Hillel agree that it's Asur in such a circumstance. Says the Gemara, you're confi- confusing Sir with Sir. There are different types of, of pivots, there are different types of dowels, whatever word we're applying to this. And what that means is the Gemara will suggest the following. There are the types in which you'll have, we'll call it Ba'emsa. Imagine you have a plank of sorts and it has one peg in the middle and in order to insert this and hold it in, you stick it first into that hole, the peg, and then you push the item in. That's one type of seed. That uh, second type of seer, which we understand as being a little bit more permanent, is one which we mentioned just a moment ago. It has the pivot at the top and at the bottom, which kind of allows for it to swing open and closed. Whereas the first one we imagine as less permanent, because the first one is being stuck in just in order to hold it in place. It's not actually like a door in our home. But it's not even per se, it's just to close it up. The second one, in contrast, is like putting up a door and a window in your home. It's more permanent, which means to say the Gemara is going to tell us if there's no pivot whatsoever, so both Beit Shammai and Beit Hillel are going to be permitting. Everybody agrees with that. That's just a plank you're putting on top. The plank's on top, you take the plank off, nobody's going to prohibit that. If there's Ba'emsa, if there's the peg in the middle and then you're placing it in, that's where we're going to have, a, that's where we're going to be uh, um, discussing if the Mahloka um, between Beit Shammai and Beit Hillel. If lastly there's a pivot at the top and bottom, even Beit Hillel are going to prohibit in such a circumstance, even Beit Hillel will claim, Bet Shammai will say it's an Isur from the Torah, Bet, Shammai, Bet Hillel will at the very least say, Yesh binyan ustira bekeli midrabanan, that will be prohibited midrabanan. So again, to reiterate, what we're then going to be suggesting, ultimately speaking in our Gemaraz, you have three types of cases, one fully permitted, according to everyone, that's when there's no peg, no pivot, no nothing, you're just placing it on top. What's the issue in such a circumstance? The other extreme is you have on the top and on the bottom, it kind of swings open and closed, similar to our doors and our windows once upon a time. That will have a prohibition. That will be problematic, both for Bet Shammai and Bet Hillel, different levels, but they'll both prohibit. The Mahloket specifically, they dispute, they disagree, is when you have Ba'emtza, 
over there, well, we could see it in one of two ways. Bet Hillel say, that's just to hold place. Bet Shammai say, yeah, but we have a Gezerah. Once we established it, when it has on the top and the bottom, it's prohibited from the Torah. We have now, we bump it back a little bit and we say, but rabbinically speaking, if there's just one, we have a Gezerah atu. We have a Siag. We built a fence to make certain that even with one peg in the middle, you're not going to permit that because you'll come to permitting when it has the full pivot. Says the Gemara, Here's how we're going to suggest it again. So now, um, bottom uh, two lines here. Amar Abaye. Here's how we are going to suggest. This is the, exactly the way we just set it up. These two extremes. If it has no sir whatsoever, everybody, even Bechamai, permit. If it has a sir on the top and on the bottom, we're calling that min hasad. Everybody agrees that's asur. There's a difference in terms of how asur. It is according to Beit Shammai. That's biblically prohibited. That's binyan min haTorah. That's stira min haTorah. Rabbinically speaking, only according to Beit Hillel, but still prohibited. When do they disagree about whether it's permitted fully or not? The Gemara in turn explains that's the machlok between Beit Shammai and Beit Hillel for Beit Shammai. When there's the pegs, the pivots at the top and at the bottom, it's a p- biblical prohibition. The rabbis, therefore, when you're a stage removed, prohibited as well when it's by emsa. Alternatively, according to Beit Hillel, when there's at the top and at the bottom, it's only rabbinically prohibited. We don't then say when it's even further removed from that, just in the middle, it would be prohibited as well. That's mutar, that's the mishnah that we're dealing with. Earlier, right now you're talking about The specific issues as the Gemara is understanding it is not per se the using it of a, as a shelf. It's the fact that you're taking it off and praying. We never explicitly mentioned that as the issue. We mentioned that that's what it would be used as. I, uh, Jared also was very intent on, on focusing on that detail, and I, what I pointed out to him was that the Gemara at no point really addresses that as the issue. The issue is specifically the taking off and putting on, both certainly uses, the way the Mishnah. Both uses are allowed to be done on this day, so it wouldn't be, that wouldn't I, be a problem if I do one use that's allowed and switch that item Correct. 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 It's only a problem by extension if it was prohibited in the first place. No. No, but it, I mean, again, temporary and permanent is hard to define for our purposes right now. It has to have the potential of being permanent. That is the issue. Yeah. 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 So, but but again, it has to have the ability to be permanent, and the assumption is that it can be in here. Okay. No, that's the mahlokit. That's where Beit Shammai says asur. That Beit Hillel says mutar. The difference is when it's in the top and in the bottom, it's like my door and your window, and in that circumstance, we look at it as more permanent and more of a real structure. When it has in the middle, we don't look at it as such. You can't open and close it. It's just stuck in. You're just placing it in. It's just one thing. It's not a real hinge. It's stuck in in order to hold it in place. It's a further step removed. That's where we have a gezerah, only according to Beit Shammai, not Beit Hillel. Says the next mission. Go ahead. That is the assumption of our sugya. Yeah? Yeah. 
It's a machloket throughout Talmud, whether the Ashpinyan or Stira, but the Then, according to the one that's in question, the one that's Bet Shammai is going to say it's Asur. Bet Shammai says it's not. It began with an Isur from the Torah. You're a step removed. It's at the very least a Gezerah. That's what the Gemara says. It's Asur in the Torah. According to Bet Shammai, because of what? What action? Makeb Patish? Like it's finishing the item? Makeb Patish. I bet he lets Asur in the Torah. What's the Isur from the Torah? Binyanu Stira. prohibited so that you don't do it in a Mechubayim. Building or destroying Bekelim, according to Bet Hillel, is Asur in Kelim, yes. Yes, correct. Okay, the next Mishnah, in my opinion, maybe I'm uh, biased on this, is the most uh, significant Mishnah of Masechet Betza. It's very short, but it is the Mishnah with regards to, uh, call it how Yom Tov is different than Shabbat. And uh, generally speaking, at least some time ago, if you asked any person, what's the difference between Shabbat and Yom Tov in terms of prohibitions and restrictions? Some people would tell you cooking. If you don't spend much time in the kitchen, many people would say it's whether you can carry or not uh, in a place where you don't have an Erub. So then on Shabbat, there's no permissibility to carry. What I mean by carrying is taking from what we call a private domain, Rishut Yahid, into a public domain, it's called the Rishut Rabbim, to find them accordingly in a separate class on another occasion. However, accepting that there are those two domains, imagine as Broadway Avenue, uh, Broadway, and uh, going from what from your apartment uh, onto Broadway, if, if that's Rishut Rabbim, uh, it's not allowed to take something with you from one domain, the private one, Rishut Yahid, into Rishut Rabbim. However, on Yom Tob, and for one reason or another, even though the Torah never says this explicitly, that's the way most people will tell you. That's permitted. Where does it say that in the Torah? The Torah says that the difference between Shabbat and Yom Tob is, is that you're allowed to do and make food on Yom Tov, what does that have to do with taking things and carrying them, and by extension, anything else? That's this Mishnah, that's this Gemara. So says the Mishnah, Bet Shammai omrim en motzi'in lo et ha-katan, velo et ha-lulav, velo et sefer ha-Torah l'rshut rabim, Matirin. The Mishnah tells us that in three cases, the question is why we specified these three cases, we'll deal with that separately, but the three cases are situations where a person, people, are carrying from one domain into another. No problem. We're not opening it on Shabbat, we're only doing that on Yom Tov. That last Mishnah is only on Yom Tov. Yeah. Um, as Bet Shammai state that in the following three cases, even in the following three cases, no permissibility of carrying, of, of, of being motzi mirashut lirashut. What are they? Not to take a child for something, we'll discuss in a moment. Not the lulav, obviously, to use it on, on uh, Yom Tob of Sukkot. And neither the Sefer Torah, with the assumption that you're going to be studying from it, lirashut arabim, you're not allowed to carry it from one domain into the next. Bet Hillel permit in each of those three cases. Now, what will come up in the Gemara, even though it's not explicit in the Gemara, is the following question. Even though Betilel are permitting, we see those words in Betilel, and we'll understand in just a moment their reason for permitting is because their vision is uh, one word, it's called mitoch, from the fact that the Torah permitted activities that to be done for melechet ochel nefesh, 
so too it permits them for other matters. Let me repeat that again. The same way the Torah says, do what you need in order to make food, which includes carrying from one domain into the next, so too do what you need through carrying in any other circumstance. That's Betilel's reasoning over here in our Mishnah. What's that? Only Yom Tov. It's an extension, not so much a Kavahomer, because the Torah only says for food. Betilel says the fact that the Torah says this action is permitted for food, it's really telling you it's permitted for other things. What are those other things? Does that mean anything? Or does that mean specific things? You understand? And those Bet Shammai say, oh, only allowed to do it for food. Chalas, nothing more, nothing less. Bet Hilel no, you're allowed to do it for other things. The Mishnah gave us three examples. Those are interesting examples. Each one of these examples seems to be particular. Well, let's go backwards. Let's talk about the last one, Sefer Torah. That's a mitzvah. Rabbi Hananel claims it's for the mitzvah of Kiryat Torah on the holidays. In truth, Ramban Nachmani, his commentary to the Torah, believes that that Kiryat Torah is part of Mikraya Kodesh, Mitzvah Ta'aseh from the Torah. The second one in the Mishnah is Lulah, that's certainly a Mitzvah. The first one, even the first one, which talks about a child, might be a reference to a Mitzvah as well, according to Rabbi Hananel. It's a Berit Milah, that's what he refers to. Which means to say, according to that interpretation of our Mishnah, according to Beit Hilel, yes, we're permitting. Oh, certainly carrying is permitted, but if it's Surech Mitzvah, only if it's, you're going to perform a mitzvah, otherwise you can't be carrying. Carry for food, carry for mitzvah. How far do we take that interpretation? Tosafot disagrees at the bottom of the page. We'll again deal with it when we get to the Gemara, but Tosafot's assumption and understanding is it needs to be tzorech yom tov. How do you define tzorech yom tov? Is this enjoyable for you? Is this necessary for your family? And therefore Tosafot says you're allowed to bring the child whether you're doing milah or not. Tosafot says it's for that reason our children play with a kadur on yom tov. Those are their words. Shekorim belashon na'az fluta and whatever. That was a, some sort of ball they would play with. How are they playing with a ball on yom tov? You're not allowed to carry from shuta yahid into shuta rabim. Says Tosafot because it's tzorech yom tov. You're taking a walk with your child. That's part of your yom tov activities. That's permitted. But again, it needs to be Sorech Yom Tov. If it's not Sorech at all, and you don't have an Eruv again, and you're going from Shuta Yachit to Shuta Rabim, you're not allowed to heke carry things. It's for that reason just to mention in context, and then we'll begin in the Gemara, there was a question for many years, and still is, in places where there isn't an Eruv, on Yom Tov. Are you allowed to take your Mahzor back from Knis on Yom Tov to your home if you don't have a sorech. Well, what's your sorech? It's just so it's not lost in the knees. If it's for Kiddush, no question. Uh, well, let's do it differently. It's the last day of Yom Tov and you're taking your talet home. Uh, what's, what's the reason? Well, I don't want it to get lost in the synagogue. Maybe it's going to be on my mind. So I'm, okay, that's, that's the question in that sort of context. That's really what, what lies at the core of, of this type of conversation. Does it need to be Sorech Yom Tov Tosafot's telling us it does? Rashi's seeming claim in our Gemara will be an even further leniency, and he'll seem to imply that there might not, be, not, 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 might not need to be any Sorech, which means to say you wouldn't have the question of the Mahzor. You certainly don't need it to be for a Berit Milah or any of that sort of stuff. You just, it's permitted. We'll deal with how far that goes and halakha, the ma'asai will tell you, needs to be sorech yom tov. We do end with that tosafot uh, interpretation. So in a circumstance and situation where there's no erub, a person who's carrying on yom tov, it needs to at the very least be with a purposeful intent. 
most cases will be that. Why else are you taking it out? What are you doing? I mean, you're doing it for some reason of the holiday. The types of cases where you won't is for some practical consideration, not for involvement. You bring back the mahsor just so it doesn't get lost. Is that sorech or not? And those types of situations. Okay, but that's what we have in our Mishnah. Again, a mahlok between Beit Shammai and Beit Hilel, specifically by carrying, Malechet Hotza'ah, and, uh, and, and we Beit kind of... Beit Shammai permits it for food, only for food. Oh. That's why the cases in our Mishnah are not food. Lulav, Katan, Sefer Torah. It's Says, but not really, because you're taking a baby. Uh, the baby is not a sucking candy. The baby is a baby. You know what I'm saying? But then you carried something permitted and something prohibited. You know what I'm saying? I like it, though. I like it. Yeah, the, the Gemara does, in the context of like a met on Yom Tov, it does talk about taking lechem with him for permissibility. Not necessarily going to work over here. Yeah, yeah. No, no, not going to work. But it's not going to work over here. That's the same thing. So, yeah, but that's, that's what I was just referring to. But it's not the same thing. It says the Gemara over here, Tane, Tana, Kameh, Derbi, Itzhak, Baravdimi. There was a, uh, an individual who used to recite Beraitot. We've seen this many times in the Gemara. That's Tane Tana. There's an individual who used to recite Beraitot. They would come to the Midrash. The rabbi would be uh, sitting and there would be a student or another rabbi who would know Beraitot by heart and he would recite them and then the rabbi would expound upon them. So Tane Tana came in front of Derbi Yitzhak Baravdimi. Here's what he taught. A person who slaughters what's called an Olat Nedava. Nedava means it wasn't a blink. It was something that was optional, something that the person donated on their own. A korban ola is the type of sacrifice which you're not going to benefit from. You're slaughtering it and it's getting entirely sacrificed to God. That's a korban ola. If a person were to do so, again, understand the significance of that. It means you're not eating from it. You're not benefiting. This isn't any food for you on the holiday. That's in contrast to, for example, shilamim. If it's a korban which you're going to be benefiting from, Tosafot deals with some of the mechanics on this matter. We're not dealing with such a reality dealing specifically with slaughtering an animal which you will not be putting into your mouth. Loke. Isn't the cutoff though, uh, uh, Yom Tov, don't you have to put it before that area or look for that in uh, Masechah? If you bring the Yavah, the cutoff of when you have to bring it is by that area. So if they say you can't slaughter on Yom Tov, you can't fulfill it. Uh, I'm going to say, like, uh, if you're not mistaken, you can't stop or you can't go past Pesach. You're talking about Balteacher, about bringing it? I understand, but you're not allowed to be slaughtering it on the holiday. We're not dealing with the bringing of the sacrifice. Of course, you have, you have, this, you have a deadline to bring your sacrifice. But in terms... It's not the Korban of the day. This Korban is just you're giving it and you don't have to give it. It's not filling any purpose. You're not eating it. For example, Rashid does write that an Olat Re'iyah, if it is the obligatory one, not Olat Nidava, so then that would potentially be permitted. Tosafot quibbles with some of the mechanics. On that. <coughs> so anyway, it says that again, the Beraita here goes as follows responded to this individual who recited this Beraita. He says, If a person were to ask you, who's the author of that Beraita? Like man, took out the Aleph. Man means who? 
So who's the author? You should tell them. You should know. Bet Shamayi. That's only the opinion of Bet Shamayi. Bet Hillel, after all, in our Mishnah, if you recall the way we interpreted it, and we're going to see it right now in the Gemara, say that all those activities which could and would be used for food, even though it's not being used for food, are permitted as well. Could you think of, maybe not today, but once upon a time, a closer activity to preparing food than slaughtering? So you slaughter in order to eat, and once you're slaughtering in order to eat, it's permitted to slaughter even not to eat. Again, a hundred percent. And just like in our just like in our Mishnah, your lulav is not to eat, and the child is not to eat, and the Sefer Torah is not to eat. The point is, once there's an action that could and would be used to prepare food, it's permitted even shelo letzorich achila. Right? So that's an interesting. This is a sorech mitzvah and a sorech yom tov as well. You can't, you're not going to catch him on that. It's an olad nedavah. It's still part of. It's not per se yom tov directly oriented, but neither is necessarily a walk with the child. Right. Neither is necessarily reading from the Torah if it's not in the context of kiriyah b'sibor. Anyway, say so again. Say so says amre lo amrinan. According to bet shemai, we do not say mitoch. That's the one word I told you. Mitoch means. Since, from within, in other words, applying, if it's permitted like this, it's permitted a mitoch shehutra hotzale lesorech, hutra nameh shelo lesorech. Bet Shammai maintains a stringency. They're narrow in their interpretation of the Torah. The Torah says you're allowed to prepare food, you can do these activities for preparing food. They don't say mitoch, from the fact that the Torah permitted there, you can permit it in other circumstances. I'm repeating this word mitoch because it's thrown around all the time. Whenever you talk about Yom Tov, you say mitoch. Mitoch, that's the code word for it. You understand? Mitoch means mitoch shutra letzorechochel nefesh. Utra, it's permitted as well. Shelo letzorechochel nefesh, not for food. Says Bet Shammai, it's not so. Di Bet according to the opinion of Bet did you read our Mishnah? Says Rabbi Yitzhak Baravdimi, Ha Amre, didn't they tell us mitoch shutra hosa letzorech? They told us explicitly in the Mishnah, according to this interpretation, that once moving and, and carrying is permitted for food reasons, that's what we call ochil nefesh, it's permitted as well for not ochil nefesh, the child, the Sefer Torah, the lulav. So too we would apply it over here. We can suggest and we would state clearly that Betilel would permit the slaughtering even when it's it's not for consumption, but rather for sacrifice entirely. Uh, to summarize this last sugya, which we began and we'll need to continue with, uh, the Mishnah then gave us three cases of Hotza'an Yom Tov for Lula, for Katan, and for Sefer Torah. Bet Shammai say prohibited, Bet Hillel say permitted. The Gemara, through initially citing a Beraita about Olat Nedava Shechita on Yom Tob, then explained to us what underlies their opinions. Bet Hillel maintains, we go like this, once something's permitted, for the reason of food, we permit it for all circumstances. How far do we say all circumstances? We, as a class, discuss that. Rabbeinu Hananel, Tosafot, and Rashi will return to that in the Gemara again later on. Uh, whereas Beit Shammai said, no, there's no such thing. Keep narrow, understand, only for food, and for food alone will you permit any of these sorts of activities on Yom Tov. Otherwise, it's identical to Shabbat. Baruch Adonai Amen